Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tank, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's industry seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Hello and welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. It is July 11th, 2023, and we just got finished with the Southwick National for 2023. It was a hot day. For those of you who weren't there, I don't know how much it translated through the television or through your phone or however you watch the races NBC that day. But man, it was muggy. I <laughs> I had to wear pants um, as part of the uh, NBC protocol, which is okay. Like, I get it. They want it to be represented professionally and all that. But man, it was, it was challenging uh, during the day. It was really, really humid. Everybody was sweating. There wasn't really any, uh, <laughs> any respite from it. We couldn't get away from it. And it was challenging, but I was very fortunate and excited to be on NBC. It was a great opportunity. And um, yeah, I don't think it went perfectly. You know, there's always challenges. I was a little bit more nervous than usual. We had some confusion and some technical difficulties and all sorts of things that maybe you noticed, maybe you didn't. Uh, but we were all just trying to get through it and make the best of it along the way too. Before we get too far into this, I want to thank the sponsors, Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, International Vet MX Series, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, Fast Foundry, and Fly Racing. We'll talk more about all of those in a little bit. But let's jump into the 250 class, and Tom Vial gets it done. That's his first win in America. He wins the first moto, then holds off RJ Hampshire in the second moto to get the overall. And he was really confident after the race. Talked about a little about this a little bit on Pulp MX. I did not expect him to feel that way. Like, you know, it was a good win. It was a hot day. It's not a race I expected him to win. But I was really taken aback by his kind of presence and the way he uh, kind of came across in, um, in, in his post-race interviews, talking to him. Uh, there was just this air of confidence. And after the race, I kind of had to ask myself, like, do I buy into this? Where, where do I come down on this performance, what it means for the series, what it means for his progression in the series? And I don't really know. Um, he is getting better. If you look at High Point, if you look at Redbud, and then culmination at Southwick and getting the win, there's no question that he's progressing. And I think it's a combination of confidence and also, he's figuring this motorcycle out because the bike he's racing over here is nowhere near as good, and it's really nowhere near the bike at all that he's racing in Europe. You know, the MXGP, or in this case, MX2 bikes, 
are like fully custom. They can change the frames. They can change all sorts of things. The engines components can be different. Uh, you know, sky's the limit within reason as far as what they can do to make his motorcycle more competitive in Europe. And, and you're very limited in the U S as far as what you can do. It has to be production based in most cases that, you know, and doesn't necessarily have to be a 2023 part, but something that was available to the, to the public in, in most scenarios. And it just really limits how much better you can make a motorcycle. And that's by design. They, they want the bikes to be somewhat similar and factory bikes are better, or at least they, you know, can be built to be made better, but not to the level that they can in Europe. Like they can do anything over there. Like sand track. Great. Run a more forgiving frame, extend the wheelbase really tight, hard pack track that, okay, run a different frame. That's super compact and will turn a lot better. And, you know, on a smaller track is going to work better. So those are all things that in the USA you can't do. So he's having to work through that dynamic and ride a similar bike in all conditions. From what I've been told, the bike in the USA is slower. And that I believe it because I've seen the bike in Europe and I've seen the bike here. And it, it does seem like the bike in Europe has a, a distinct power advantage. I don't know the technological advances or the why of that. I'm not a mechanic, but it is pretty, it, it is noticeably different visually like you can hear it over there the bike has so much torque in europe compared to the usa bike and i and i'm just saying you can he literally hear it forget about me talking to riders that have ridden both of them that's not even what i mean i have done that but i'm just talking about what you can hear standing alongside of the track it's pretty noticeable so i think he's had to come to grips with that and figure out how to go as fast or at least be as competitive on a bike that is in my opinion noticeably uh, the performance is noticeably less than the bike he's been used to. So I'm sure he's not thrilled about that, um, but that's that's a part of racing in America. Everybody that's come over has had to deal with the same thing. Hunter Lawrence, man, he's just fighting through adversity, right? And you have to give him a ton of credit because he has he's handled everything that's been thrown at him. You know, he DNF the second moto at Redbud. I I truly think he thought he was really hurt. And I'm, I would guess he's very thankful that he's not. And he, then he has a mechanical failure in the first moto after fighting hard to stay inside the top 10, trying to get in the top five. And then the second moto, bad start, bad gate pick, and he still hangs in there and gets a top 10. But it has not been easy. you know. And it, and it really has for most of 2023. It has come easy for him. And now he's he's getting a little bit of, you know, I think it's a little bit of catch up because I – I don't know what it is, if it's cosmic or I don't really have any explanation for it, but it just seems like if things go really well for an extended period of time, like you're, you have to have some sort of, you know, law of averages or return to the mean a little bit. Like you can't have all good luck all the time without something going wrong or something being troubling. Like, that's just how life is. Like it, you know, it's uh, things, if things are too bad or too good for too long, then you can expect things to flip for a little bit at times. I just am a believer in that, right? If, if nothing's going right in your life, we are probably due for some good news. And maybe that's being too optimistic, but I think it goes the other way. If, if you're just winning everything and you can't put a foot wrong, you better be really careful and you better be aware because you're due to have some trouble. That's, you know, it's not meant to be easy. And if it's coming easy, then it won't be for long. That just seems how it, how it goes.
Um, you know, I, I think he's doing a really good job of maintaining his composure, especially after that first moto. You know, he's coming off the second moto, DNF, cuts his point lead way down, and then he, his bike lets go, and he's just got to be just so frustrated um, to give up all of this hard work, you know, all this, this points lead that he's built up, all of the things he's done right in two motos got reduced to nothing. You know, it, it changed the entire outlook of the, the whole series in two motos. So we'll see how he responds. Um, he's going to have to rise up to the occasion, which I think he will. I think he's very capable of it. But I would say emotionally, it's been a very difficult couple of weeks for him. And we're going to see what he's made of. It's, this is going to be a true test to see. He's going to have to dig down and fight through this and come out on the other side. Hayden Deegan, he was visibly upset after the second moto. Um, it reminded me that he's just a 17-year-old kid. And he's shown us that at times, things he said, things he's done. But to see him that upset, emotional, um, you could tell, you know, he's, he's still young. And he's still working through how to handle these situations and how to hold it together and how to act when things aren't going well and all those things. And I, it, it was just a wake-up call for me. It's like, oh, yeah. There it is. Like there's the youth in him, right? He's riding much older than he should be, right? His skills are much higher than most people would ever think about being at 17. Uh, but he still has the, you know, the youthful maturity. He's not, hasn't developed. Um, yeah, it's just, it's immaturity. I don't mean that in a negative context. It's just exactly what it, what the word is, is he's not mature yet. He hasn't developed into the man that he will become. And uh, so things are going to go that way sometimes. He did think this that it was going to be tough on Saturday. I've heard that from a few people that they were expecting to have a hard day. You know, I think if you could have a hard day and leave with the points lead, you're okay with that trade. But I think they would have also liked to not get 10th in the second moto. If they could have avoided a 10th place, you know, if they could have had an okay day and been like 5-5, five, five, I think they would have taken that, uh, but the crashes, the crashes definitely caught up with them. Uh, Justin Cooper, he's not out of this thing. Like he is still relevant. And you say the same thing about RJ Hampshire. I view both of them kind of the same. They both had problems. You know, Justin Cooper missed high point. RJ's crashed a bunch and they've done a lot of damage to their championship chances, but they are still in this thing. Make no mistake about it. So, for them to be a handful of points out after all the challenges they've gone through, and you look at Hunter Lawrence's situation, you look at Hayden Deegan, never been in this position, he's only 17, it's really anybody's series. It's truly up for grabs. And yeah, okay, the more points you have now, the better position you're in. But that can all change on a moment's notice. Look at what happened to Hunter. Look at, you know, Hayden gave a, a bunch of points back to Justin Cooper this weekend. So it can change that fast. And uh, yeah, for, as a, as a fan and as someone who just wants entertainment, it's great. Like we truly are getting parody in this class. We're in the 450 class. We have zero parody. Uh, and in the 250 class, it's, it's really anybody's series and anybody's race week to week. Joe Shimoda had what I would call like a relief moto where there's been pent up frustration it's he has been underperforming expectations and he needed this. The team needed it. I saw Mitch Payton smiling and you know, like that's the first time I've seen him in a good mood in a while. You know, I'm not around him all the time, but you can tell when things are going well and when they're not. 
and he had to be frustrated. Like, I think he felt like Joe could be a championship contender this year, and, and he just hasn't lived up to that. You know, he was so damn good last summer. So expectations were high. He was second in the championship last year, and he's just had a tough time replicating those results. So great job from Joe. Um, you know, I got to speak with him at, right after the moto, and he was just so relieved. You could just see it in his face, like the the pressure and the lift off of him that he was uh, that he was feeling. It was it was uh, it was cool. Jimmy Dakotas was the, really the only other guy that I had to mention in the two fifties, and good job. I didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, I do a Patreon podcast every Saturday morning. If you want like a preview of the event, <clears throat> and I talked about how Jimmy was going to qualify fastest, so I got that right. I felt good about that, and. Then I just thought he would really struggle to put two 35-minute motos together because his best overall finish of his motocross career was 15th. So for me to think that five years removed from his career, he was going to come out and get a better result than he'd ever gotten, to me seemed unlikely. And I don't, I still think that's probably the right way to approach it. Now, he overperformed. He did really well. He got 100 points, I think, for fantasy. And good job. Good job, Jimmy. Like, I was just wrong. You know, that's on me. You did what you were supposed to do. And, uh, yeah, nothing really more to say. I was wrong, and he he did a great job. So let's get into the 450s. And I do what we call the power rankings here. And uh, if you don't know what the power rankings are, it's just basically the top 10 450 guys that are currently racing the series. Now, if you are not, perform- you're not uh, participating in this series, I don't put you in. If you're hurt, I don't put you in. Like Cooper Webb, I don't have him in this week because he departed the series, and he told us he's not racing again for the rest of the summer. So I took him out. Maybe that's not fair, but, yeah, I mean, he was he was transparent and said he's not racing, so I'm not going to leave him in and just have him floating around with nothing to talk about. I want to talk about guys that are racing. So without further ado, at number 10 is Kyle Chisholm, and the Chiz was back from his World Supercross round in the U.K., wasn't a fantastic day, but remember, you know, remember his age, remember what, where he's kind of been in the series. Remember he's trying to race world supercross too. I thought it was fine. You know, riding around the top 15, getting a good result. You know, I, he represents his team. Well, people like him. Yeah, it's all, it's all great. I'm, I'm here for all of that. So good job to Chiz. Good ride. Good day. Um, you know, I, I think if he, really focused just on outdoors, he'd probably be better. I think he would probably agree with that, but it's okay. Like no one's going to be upset with Kyle Chisholm riding around in the top 15, in my opinion. Now I do think he'll have better days where he can be, I don't know, top 10. Like I think that's a pretty fair assumption that he can be a top 10 guy at a lot of these races. Um, But we'll just have to see how that plays out. I don't, think there's any pressure on him, right? His job is to do exactly what he's doing, give results, test for Kenny, be a good teammate, help Kenny in Supercross, and yeah, get results for him for himself when the time is right. Um, I don't think there's all the there are all these expectations on Chiz to be the team leader. I don't even think he's got to be the team leader in the outdoors. I, I think they are really trusting Freddie Norin to kind of be that guy um, for outdoors is to go get top tens, right. Consistently. So, um, yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm good with what Chiz did. And, and I think he will do better at times from here too. So we'll see. Uh, who else? Who is number nine? 
Number nine is Garrett Marchbanks. And great job for Marchbanks. Gets fifth overall. And you talk about a guy that has really turned it around since he's gotten on a 450. And think about his ride at um, High Point. He gets second in that first moto. He backs that up this weekend with a 10-5. Maybe you say like the 10th. It's not that great in the first moto. But the second moto, when it was brutally hot, the track's at its roughest, he gets fifth. And that's a really good job. You know, this guy was expected. There was a lot expected of him as an amateur. Um, I've talked about this in a few podcasts where I, it was a guy that I was like desperately wanting to be wearing fly racing as an amateur. He was a kind of a can't miss type kid. And he struggled, you know, he won Daytona in 2020. But after that, it was just not great. Um, there was a lot of unmet expectation and that's why he didn't stay at pro circuit and i think maybe they're on to something with him on the 450 he just looks better he's a big guy so that makes sense he just suit the bike suits him a little better and uh yeah i think they're they're on their way to getting more consistent results out of garrett marchbanks um, if they can figure out the starts that'll make his life a lot easier. And that's on him. Like I think the Yamaha 450 is plenty capable of getting good starts, but uh, sky's the limit past that. Like his talent is pretty obvious. Um, he's, he's one of the most talented kids I've seen come out of amateurs in a long time. Uh, he's just got to kind of put it together and, and he looks like he's on his way to doing that. Ty Masterpool is number eight. And I mean, Ty is, is great, right? Like the, the only thing keeping him so far down in the results other than there's a lot of good guys in front of him, of course, but his supercross was terrible. Like for lack of a better word, supercross was terrible. And, you know, it's going to be hard for him to move up from here without any supercross results to speak of, but he's just doing his thing. Like you watch him, he gets pretty good starts. He fights the factory guys like nobody's business. I mean like tooth and nail fighting those guys, which is what he's supposed to do. Kudos to him. Right. And then he's in shape. He can do, you know, he can do the whole moto. And there's a lot to be said for that. Like he, he does not give those factory guys an inch. And I think guys like Dylan Ferrandis and probably AP at times have to be so incredibly frustrated because they're expected to beat him without question. Like they are highly paid, decorated factory riders that should not be battling the likes of Ty Masterpool. I, you know, I don't, mean that in a negative light towards Ty, their bosses, you know, at, at Honda or whoever, whichever team, KTM, Cowie for Jason Anderson, uh, Yamaha for Dylan Ferrandis, when they are signing a guy like Dylan Ferrandis or Aaron Plessinger, battling Ty Masterpool is not in the equation. Like, it's not even a thought. They're thinking podiums. How do we get this guy to the next level to where he can go win? Those are, that's what's thought about. That's, that's what they're trying to accomplish. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just a tough dynamic to watch. If you're one of these guys to, to be in the fight, um, with Ty Masterful the whole time. But then the other side of that coin is Ty's been great. So how do you knock a guy like Ty for being so awesome? I, and I think if you ask Dylan and, and Aaron Pussing, they're like, man, he's fast. Like I know that he's not on a factory bike or a factory team, but he is really good right now. And he's causing us a lot of 
heartache and a lot of problems when he's getting really good starts. And if you remember when he was on a 250, like he was on Star Yamaha, he was an incredible starter then. So that's not a shock that he's out there getting great starts. Like he has been, he's proven himself to be a great starter over time. Um, so now that he's on a 450, I don't know what his motor's like or whatever, but talent wise, it's not shocking to see him get a really good start. So interesting dynamic this uh, that Master Pool is bringing to the races uh, this year. At number six, is it six? Number seven. Number seven is Jason Anderson. And when I tell you that Jason Anderson was tired in the second moto, I mean absolutely gassed. And he's just got a lot of work ahead of him. You know, it's, it's really tough to miss a bunch of races, come into a series where everybody's in shape, and then go out and battle these guys. Like, that is a really tough ask. And I give him a lot of credit because he's fighting really hard. He's not giving up. It would have been so easy for him to quit in those second motos because he's getting passed by guys that I, I can promise you he doesn't feel like he should be getting passed by. And the ego check that he has to go through in those moments is not, it's not an easy one. Um, so just think about that when you're watching him. He's got to like put all that aside and be like, nope, I don't care. I, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter the names on the, on the jerseys that are passing me. I, you know, this is a guy, Jason Anderson, who makes millions of dollars a year, right? He's a highly paid guy. And so he should be, he won seven supercrosses last year, but it's not easy to just watch privateer after privateer after privateer, just ride around you. And you know that your bosses are watching this and it's, it's just a tough time. It's a tough thing. It's, I, I don't know exactly how he feels but I can relate a little bit and simply because I watched guys pass me. I was on a team, you know, I was getting support from Honda or whoever at the time. And I had bosses that were paying me and, and I was expected to do well. And if I got passed by some no name and that sounds terrible, but a guy I wasn't familiar with that shouldn't be beating me by all metrics. If he passes me, I'm embarrassed. And to make it worse, if I'm so tired that I can't even put up a fight, that really looks bad. And that's that's what Anderson's dealing with. That's exactly the, the challenge that he has in front of him is to put that out of his mind and just go out there and get the job done. Just put in results, fight through the fitness challenges that you have because it will get better. If he continues to just suffer and suffer and suffer both through the week and on the weekend, it's going to get better and it's probably going to show up a little bit this weekend. You'll see a little bit better second moto. It won't be quite as hot, which will help. We'll go to Washougal. He'll be a little bit better there. Maybe it won't be as hot again. And then he's going to get this two weekend off break, which is almost three full weeks to train, recover. And I think when we come back to Unadilla, you're going to see a Jason Anderson is much better than the one right now. That doesn't mean he's going to be on the podium. I'm not saying that I'm saying both motos, battling for the top five. Like he's not gonna be getting past late. He's not gonna be giving up positions and just cruising around. All of that will be out of his game. He'll be back and ready to fight for 70 minutes. That's what I'm expecting. But this is a process and that's more to the point. You can't skip steps. There is no shortcut to this for outdoors. You can't fake fitness. You can't fake heat acclimation. All those things are earned. And 
he is going through the process that it requires to earn it. And again, there's nothing great about getting 15th in the second moto. No one's excited about it. I can promise you he wasn't happy, but I give him a ton of credit and respect for, for being willing to do it, to being willing mentally to suffer, swallow your pride and just stay out there and know that staying out there and putting your body through that is what's going to allow you to do better in the coming weeks. That muscle memory and the fitness and the torture that you're giving, putting your body through, it's going to respond. It's going to get stronger. It's going to get fitter quickly because he's done all this before. He's been in great shape and he will be again. It just takes a little bit of time. So um, not a great race, but I, again, I respect what Jason Anderson having has having to put himself through on a mental level. Number six is Adam Cinturillo. And that was not a great day for AC. He didn't expect a lot. He was sick coming in. He knew it was going to be a tough day. And it was, you know, he was battling with Chris Canning and Jose Boutron and guys that I'm sure he doesn't want to be battling with, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Sometimes, you know, it's going to be tough. And if you're not feeling great, you just have to suffer through it. You know, it's similar to Jason Anderson in a way that if you know it's going to be a hard day, you know you're going to be fighting against guys you don't want to be, and you know it's not a great look, but this is just how it goes sometimes. You know, and it's been that kind of summer. It's He's had flashes of brilliance, like he did at High Point. But he's also had motos where he's just hanging on and trying to fight for his pride and integrity like he was at Thunder Valley against Grant Harlan. You know, that's that's just how these things go sometimes. At number five, excuse me, is going to be Aaron Plessinger. And I don't know where I'm at on AP. Um, You know, he's in this no man's land area. Uh, Nothing wrong with it. But he's in this spot where he's not, he's ahead of the guys like Masterpool and March Banks. Like he can beat those guys consistently. He'll pass them or pull away or whatever. But he's not good enough to beat Ferrandez, Sexton, or Jet. So it puts them in this this kind of, I don't know, uh, purgatory probably is how it feels because he he wants to be in the fight for the podium. And then I'm sure he's thankful that he's better than Cincerello and these guys most of the time too. Um, so yeah, it's, it would be an interesting conversation to have with him is like, how are you feeling? I, I don't think he probably knows how to feel about it. I think he's just trying to focus forward and figure out how to get up there and beat Ferrandis and those guys. But remember, those guys are getting better. You know, Ferrandis has steadily improved uh, since, let's say, High Point. High Point was probably the worst uh, worst I've seen him look until the last few laps. And then he's just gotten better and better and better. Now, it's not good enough to touch Jet yet, but it more goes to the point of just because AP is getting better doesn't mean Ferrandis is also not getting better. And look at Sexton, right? We'll get to them. But everybody's improving altogether. So you don't really see the improvements show up on the racetrack because it's this big move as one group getting better. So it's like who can get better at a quicker rate than the people around them? Then you see a little bit of change there. But uh, AP's got a contract for next year. So there's not a ton of pressure other than, yeah, I'm sure KTM wants him to perform, right? He's the only KTM guy there with Cooper Webb exiting the series. Number four, Dylan Ferrandis. And I kind of talked about him just now, but he is improving 
pretty quickly. And I don't know if he's going to win a moto or how this is going to play out, uh, but you can see him gaining confidence. Uh, you know, he, he tried to fight Jet there in uh, first moto, maybe second moto, second moto. And yeah, it just didn't quite have enough. Um, it was, again, it was so hot and so humid. I think everybody in that second moto got to a point where it was like, yep, I'm done. I'm just going to, I got to bring this thing home. And if it's in second or if it's in fourth or if it's in sixth, so be it. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't have anything left to fight with. And I just got to try to finish. Number three is Ken Roxon. And I wanted to add on Fernandez before we got too far away. He's, he's trying to figure out what he's going to do for 24. Um, he, he does not have a firm offer that I know of from anyone. Uh, I think he would like to stay at Yamaha with star, but I don't think they have room for him because I'm hearing Tomax coming back and then they signed Webb. So what do they do with that? Also, Justin Cooper wants to do this hybrid role. I think there's a chance he could go to Twisted T Suzuki. I think, you know, there's rumors that he's been talking to them. I don't know how realistic those rumors are or how that all plays out, but um, yeah, Dylan's in a tough spot because he's deserving of a factory spot and he, knows he's worth a lot of money to any prospective team, but there are not many teams with any budget left. So that's a, that's a difficult thing because I think to get the equipment he wants, he may have to take a pretty hefty pay cut. And he, I don't think he deserves a hefty pay cut, but that may be the situation he's faced with. And remember his deals re-upped coming off of the 2021 championship. So he's in, you know, in 2022 and 2023, he's been in really high paying, sponsorship positions, which is great for him. But now he's on the backside of that with a tough list of results for Supercross. Outdoors have been better, but there's really no opening. So how do you square that? Do you stick around, take less money, get a really good bike and hope you can get a good bonus deal? Or I don't know. We'll have to see. I don't have all the answers for it. Uh, but just reading between the lines and kind of hearing things, that seems to be the, the tough part is that um, he, there is not enough, there is not the amount of money that he's probably worth available. Um, so he, he might end up having to take less money. We'll see. Number three is, uh, an interesting one, but I put Ken Rocks in here be, simply because he's going to be back. He's going to be racing Supercross again. And I wanted to, or not Supercross, he's going to be racing pro motocross again at some point. And I wanted to leave him in because if you're planning to come back, you deserve to have a spot you factor that in with his domination at world supercross event. He wins, lost one of the three, but barely. Um, I think he deserves to be in here. So I left him. <clears throat> Kenny brings a lot to the sport, uh, both on a marketing level and on the talent level. And he feels right to me at three because let's face it. He came into the series cold and then blew the doors off of a guy like Ferrandis, right? And then supercross was not even close. Kenny won a race or two. Did he win two? I don't remember, but he won. I know he won. And he had a bunch of podiums in a row going into the, the finale. So on those metrics, he should be ahead of Ferrandez. I don't really even think there's an argument for him not to be ahead of Ferrandez. Number two is pretty easy. Chase Sexton. He is your reigning Supercross champion. He is getting closer to Jet. Now, whether closer means close enough to, to ever beat him this season let's say ever, but this season, I don't know. Uh, it's a, that's, I don't think anybody can answer that, even Chase, because Jet seems to be able to step it up whenever he needs to. And as Chase gets better, I think Jet K 
can just continue to get better too. <clears throat> so it's a tough thing for Sexton to be facing because he can't just look at it and go, well, if I just get back to where I was, I can win. I don't know if that's true. I really don't. Um, that's all you can focus on is just getting back to your best self. That's all you can control. The question is, is that enough? And I, I don't have an answer for you. Uh, number one is, of course, Jet Lawrence. And who else could it be? Jet is a bad, bad individual. Um, watching him ride Southwick was, I don't know the right word. I don't have the vocabulary to describe it. Um, he makes things look so easy that are so incredibly difficult to do. The way he was carrying momentum, <clears throat> the way he was floating through corners at speed, like it's so hard. Just go watch, go watch an average pro, a guy that gets like 15th or 20th in the same section and know how good that guy is. And then watch jet. And you're like, Oh, like it, they don't even look like they're doing the same sport. Like I, it, it's, it is an incredibly difficult thing to convey uh, through words. I just don't know that I have the right pathway to do it. Um, that's going to be something I'm going to start thinking about is how can, can we as broadcasters best represent what Jet's doing? Because the level of difficulty is just off the charts. Um, it is truly, truly remarkable. Uh, the last few I have for honorable mentions are Freddie Norn. Uh, he did a great job at sand. I know is not his preferred surface, but he's been pretty good all season. And uh, Chris Cannon, great job from him. I think he went eight, seven on the day. Not really nice job. He was really fit in that second motor. That was impressive. Um, I did not see that coming. And I, I knew he'd get a good result, but to be that strong, that late in the moto, and he hasn't really been focusing on motocross all that much. Uh, that, that showed me a lot. And then uh, I have Phil, I have Phil in here. He took a crash late in the second moto. Uh, but he's been riding really well, a little bit, you know, off the radar. We don't, he doesn't get a lot of TV time, but he's been riding much, much better. And uh, you can tell he's getting over his, uh, his wrist injury. His fitness is coming around and uh, we all root for Phil. So, so glad to see it. Before we step away, um, pro tires, of course, get that rebate. It's still going on $30 off an off-road set of tires, uh, $60 off of a set of street tires, and uh, it's also available in Canada. So check that out. It's a really cool offer that they have going on. Uh, Guts Racing, they have uh, new complete seats for betas now. So if you have a beta, which uh, Benny Bloss is riding for them, and I think they're actually trying to sign a couple other guys too, uh, Guts Racing makes complete seats for betas. And, of course, seat covers would be a part of that. Palm Creek Funding, mortgage rates are a little higher than I think everybody would like. But some people are buying houses like the the – inventory versus demand is really off kilter. So people are buying houses and there aren't many available. So what's usually happening is when they see one come available, they just buy it. And they're just like, well, the rate's high, but we don't have a choice. So what you can do is reach out to Zach and ask him specifically what your best mortgage process would be. Is it better to get a 15 year? Your payment's gonna be a little higher, but you don't get killed as much by the amortization of all that interest. Uh, you know, if you need to do a jumbo loan, how much can you afford to put down? He can run the numbers to show you how much you'll save over the course of your mortgage. And if you've never done that, if you've never played with an amortization calculator, it will absolutely blow your mind how much money you spend in interest, especially when it's all front loaded. You just get killed by interest. It is a brutal, brutal dynamic. So the more money you can put down and the faster you can pay off that loan, 
by all means do that. And that's, that's free advice. I'm not an expert, but I've, I've been down this road several times and that is, I promise you that's, that is uh, sound advice. Works Connection, Eric Fixon, the team in Northern California, they have those brand new Yamaha foot peg mounts for the 2023 Yamaha 450. They have a brand new chain gauge tool, right? And for me, and most of you probably, you stick three fingers in between the swing arm and the chain and like, yeah, that's good, right? Well, if you want to be more precise, you want to have it set to the right tension, go buy this chain gauge from Works Connection. It's a really cool tool. I wish I had it when I was racing. Not only would it be, you know, help my bike work more properly, uh, it also would have kept chain lube off of my hand, you know, five times every day I went riding. So that would have, that would have helped as well. Again, use that promo code JT23 when you check out. Progo Wash, Ryan Humphrey is uh, the man behind Progo Wash, and he was at Southwick. That was cool. Got to see him and his son there. Always good times. But if you're looking for a power sports-specific wash, go check out Proglo. Specially formulated to get off all of the hard-to-remove dirt, like chain lube and street grime if you have a street bike, side-by-side, whatever it is, check out Proglo Wash. International Vet MX Series, they had a race at Washougal just last weekend. And they have a double header event coming up this weekend at Albany Motorsports Park. And it's their 50th anniversary race for the Oregon chapter. So that's a really cool deal there. That's why they're having this back-to-back double header event, uh, two day event, live music, three motos. Most of the time, lots of track time, really laid back. And uh, just a lot of great people that are all like-minded and want to spend time at the races. You get a little bit of like the vet crowd, right? That are there. Um, they're not there to try to further their career in racing. They're there to have a great time, race their dirt bike and be with, be with their friends and family. That's what it's all about. TL Speed Shop, Jason Cobb and his team are in Wickenburg, Arizona, and you can fly into Phoenix, jet up to Wickenburg and everything is dialed, right? They have side-by-sides, trophy trucks. You can design your own vacation and they can take you into the desert. You can go to Sedona, you can go to Baja, uh, but it's a really cool idea. You can do it for corporate events. You can do it for family vacations. Sky's the limit on what you can accomplish here, uh, but they have all the equipment. They know where they're going. They have the maps. They have, uh, you know, if you just want to say, hey, this is what we're thinking. Can you can you set this up? Of course they can. This is what they do. So reach out to uh, TL Speed Shop and uh, see what they can set up for your next vacation. Or I, I like the corporate event side too for team building, things like that. Um, you can have a great time. Grandstone Boots. Wore mine last night. I wore my sneakers to dinner. And that's my, you know, it's it's the latest and greatest product they have. But it's also my favorite because they're so versatile. You can wear them with shorts. You can wear them with jeans. If you want to wear like a suit and want to make it a little bit more casual, like I did for our national sales meeting, you can wear your sneakers with a suit. Uh, but that is such a great product. Comes in four different colors. So check out grantstoneshoes.com for, uh, for more information there. And last but not least is Fly Racing. We're launching our 2024 line in about 10 days. So you'll see all those things. We have a brand new product that's never been seen before that will launch with that stuff as well. So that's exciting. But that's it for this week. We are off to Spring Creek this coming weekend for the best track of the series. Some people call it Millville. Some people call it Spring Creek. I call it awesome. How about that? So we will talk to you in a few days. Thanks for listening and we'll see you there.